Here we go. Hello, I'm Lise Wilcox, and you're listening to To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. This is the place to be to find clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I tell the story of how a few years ago, it felt like I woke up from being asleep in my own life. I looked around me and everything looked perfect. I had a perfect house. I had, you know, the good looking husband, three wonderful children, lavish vacations. Really, it looked like I had it all, but there was something missing, something crucial that was missing. And that was a deep level of inner peace and inner comfort. And if you've ever been in that situation, or if you've ever had that feeling, you know that nothing, nothing else that you reach for, nothing else that you acquire can, can fill that void. Nothing else around you can make you feel a certain way until you feel that certain way. And although I didn't have the right language for it then, I knew I was missing something. I knew I was missing something on a foundation level but I had no idea what it was or how to get it. I remember thinking that every time I picked up a magazine or looked on Instagram, I would find messages about self-love and I just wanted to like gag and roll my eyes. And I was like, oh, self-love. That sounds so indulgent. That sounds so narcissistic. Like this sounds somehow like a scam to me. <laughs> I used to be a pretty cynical person. So this was a really tough concept to wrap my head around. And, you know, in hindsight, of course, I know now that self-love is the key. Um, think about what that means to have a deep love of yourself and appreciation appreciation of yourself, self-respect. You know, it's all a, a different way of saying acceptance, that we accept ourselves. And to truly accept yourself as you are, it's not an easy feat. And I'll tell you why. It should be the most natural thing in the world. But it feels like we are always running off of somebody's expectations, you know, uh, until you realize the only expectation you really have to live up to is your own. But if you think from, even from when we're really young kids, we're kind of living somebody else's story. Often parents, not, this is definitely not the case for every parent, but often parents see their children as extensions of themselves. So, children have to meet certain parental expectations for the parents to feel complete because usually those parents are also missing that deep inner sense of love and acceptance. So they turn to their children to somehow make themselves feel complete. Does that make sense? And even when we grow, grow up, um, grow through, there aren't a lot of places supporting us in being ourselves. And you know, this does sound a little cynical, but it's also fact. We are definitely being sold to 99.9% of the time. You know, nobody has to tell me that my eyelashes aren't long enough. All they have to say to me is buy this mascara for longer, fuller lashes. And the inherent messaging is your eyelashes aren't good enough. 
as they are. There are so many examples of this in every in every product, in every, almost every service that is being pitched to you, that the pervasive message is, for most of us, you aren't enough on your own. So if you're getting bombarded with those messages in the world around you, and that that undercurrent of you are not enough is you know, a top-down message from your parents or your family members or teachers, and then maybe friends around you, what happens is that you start to act in certain ways that confirm that to be true. So let's have a quick little psychology lesson here. Here's how the brain works. We operate under um, a well-established set of beliefs that are stored in our subconscious mind. So between the years or ages of zero to six, you can imagine that your brain is this beautiful, freshly fallen sheet of snow. And you know, I bet you know the feeling of running around in that fresh snow as a, as a little one. Just reckless. It's easy. It's effortless. You just run where you want to run and you make all these wonderful footprints and paths behind you. At about age six or seven, it's as if there's a flash freeze. And that flash freeze cements those footprints in place exactly as they are. The brain loves to take the path of least resistance and the brain does not like work. It does not like change. It does not like effort. It likes things to be smooth sailing. So the natural inclination on a subconscious level is to keep following those footprints in the snow at all costs, no matter what. So even if you're on that path and you don't like where it keeps taking you, like let's say using the backyard analogy, you're following that path and you keep ending up at the fence and you don't want to be at the fence. You want to be in the front. You want to like cut through the gate and go to the front yard. Even if that's the case, if it's easier for you to take that path that keeps spitting you out of the fence, you're going to keep taking it until or unless you consciously take the action to change that. And that is what, that's true of our beliefs. So we have what we have, we establish what we establish, and we keep operating off of that system or we keep following those same patterns until we decide to change it. And changing it is completely possible. It just takes a bit of effort because our conscious mind, the one that is rational, that makes sense, that we think with, has to override that subconscious mind. It has to go deep into the subconscious, figure out what that pattern is and get in there with a shovel and, you know, either fill in that old pathway or just create, start fresh and create a new one. And that does, it takes effort and it takes work. But once you have that awareness that your behavior is leading you to have certain thoughts and those sorry, that those beliefs that you have are governing your thoughts and those thoughts are what governs your behavior. Once you're aware of that, that's, that's half the battle. Didn't G.I. Joe say that? Now you know and knowing is half the battle? There you go, 80s babies. Um, so yes, when you are aware that you are operating from an old system of patterns, you have the choice to change those uh, to change those patterns and therefore change your behavior. What's paramount in your success in this is appreciating, embrace yourself for this, that you are at cause for your life. 
There's a big difference between being at cause and being in effect. Um, you may know that I am NLP certified as a coach. So that stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And NLP is effectively a user's manual to the brain, a user's manual to the mind. And it's something, it's a, a, a modality or a, um, a paradigm that every single person should have access to because we are not born with a user's manual to how we actually work, to how our programming works. If we were born with those instructions, life would be so much easier because we would understand when we're getting triggered, we would, we would understand why we're getting triggered, and we would understand why we're acting in certain ways. So congratulations to you for being here because no matter what stage of your life you're at, I don't think it's ever too late to learn that. Is it easier to learn it easier? Is it easier to learn it earlier? Of course, but it's never too late to learn it. So cause and effect. This is critical, um, critical to uh, changing the life that you have or to, to find that missing piece to feeling the emotional freedom you want to, you want to feel. Uh, and it's, you know, borrowed from NLP that you have to understand you are at cause for your life. So that re- that last relationship you had that was terrible, that you want to be like, well, he did this and he did that, or she did this and she did that. And I can't believe she had the audacity to treat me this way. Can you believe what he said? At a certain point, you have to realize that you play a role in that. Either that is by having terrible boundaries, either enabling bad behavior or the simple thing to choose to not walk away. You know, when you get yourself into... Um, a bad work situation where you take a bad contract or you, you know, you keep doing unpaid work, you keep doing things for friends for free, and then you want to blame the world around you. When you put blame on anything external to you and you make yourself the victim in that situation, you are saying, I have no control over your, over my life. It's just happening to me. And often you can, if you're not self-aware enough yet to realize that. If you ever hear yourself say things like, why does this keep happening to me? That's like a red flag that you are somebody who's currently living in a state of effect. Your life will change when you decide to flip that switch and put yourself at cause for your life. When you have the courage to be like, listen, I know that I play an active role in what is happening in my life. Sometimes you can't control the things that are happening to you, but you can control how you react to them. And that's the same thing. It still gives you uh, this semblance of control and this feeling of, I always have a choice because you do, you always have a choice. You may not like the choices that you have, but they are always there. Um, I haven't gone into this at length yet, but eventually will. Uh, In 2018, at the age of I guess 2017, a couple of years ago, a year ago, um, I got a breast cancer diagnosis and it rocked my world because I was adamant that that would not be my story, that this was not happening to me. And a few months later, it became crystal clear that it a hundred percent was happening to me. And that meant, you know, this breast cancer diagnosis that I was young, the cancer was very aggressive and very rapidly growing. Um, the treatment for that meant one, a lumpectomy to remove the tumors that we found, two, eight rounds of aggressive chemo in which I would lose my hair, 
and three, a double mastectomy in which I would lose both of my breasts. And it was really clear to me, like, this is happening. This is happening. I can't change that now that it's happening, but I can absolutely control how I react to it. I can absolutely control how I'm going to respond to this. And that made everything about cancer easier because I never felt victimized by it. I always felt like I had a say and that I played a role in the course because of how I chose to respond. So that's just one example. But as an overarching theme, the moment that you realize you are at cause for your life and you are prepared to take responsibility for that and take, uh, take um, have accountability for that, you show up differently because you don't feel like the world is happening to you. You feel like more like it's happening for you. You get very clear that every challenge really does present an opportunity. Um, when you were in the thick of stress, you do not want to hear this advice. It is not welcome advice when you're in the thick of things. When people are like, oh, don't worry, it'll always work out. You're like, yeah, great, but right now it sucks. That's totally fine. It's allowed to suck for a little while and you're allowed to embrace that suck for a little while too. But the bottom line is that things do work out and that um, there is always an opportunity to learn from this. So how, what does this have to do with self-love and what does this have to do with our patterning? Well, when we get really clear on what our deep subconscious beliefs are, we can start to um, ask ourselves, is this story true or is it something, is it a story that somebody else told me? And if you are somebody, like most people, I would say, who have struggled with self-doubt, imposter syndrome, fear of failure, and a general dislike of self, sometimes that presents as body image. Sometimes that presents as um, just never feeling like you're enough, that you're never good enough, that you'll never achieve enough, or that you have to overachieve and that still isn't enough. If that sounds at all familiar to you, it's usually rooted in a lack of self-love. When you are aware of the stories that you've been living or the narratives that you've been living out, you have the choice to ask yourself, hang on, is this story true? Is it true that I'm not enough? Is it true that I'm not worthy of love? Is it true that I'm not smart or talented? No. It's not true. It's not true at all. It's somebody else's version of you that they presented to you at a critical time in your life that you now have the choice to unlearn and rewrite your own story or rewrite your own programming. And that's where this beginner's guide to self-love comes in. Again, I lived out a very toxic childhood and I learned to literally, literally do the opposite of whatever my intuition said was true. My intuition said I should study this at school. I studied the opposite. My intuition said I should hang out with this friend. I did the opposite. I just really learned how to not trust myself. And when you don't trust yourself, you, you can't rely on any of the inner guides that you've been given and you feel very detached from the world. So, and detached from yourself for that matter. And that puts you in relationships you're not happy with, friendships you're not happy with, work environments you're not happy with. It just leads to a general sense of anxiety and discomfort. And that's not a nice place to be. The good news is you can change it. For me, I, when I woke up, I was like, but how? And I was looking for somebody to tell me, oh, here's exactly how you do it. And I couldn't find it. So I created it. And the first step for me was mirror work. 
Now, if you've ever been to therapy, chances are they're going to talk to you about mirror work and chances are you're going to feel like a crazy person. But I got to tell you, this is probably the number one, number one difference maker in your life is getting very comfortable with yourself in the mirror. And how that starts is honestly looking in the mirror and talk to yourself the way you talk to a best friend or to a child. Words matter. What we say matters. That voice in our head, stop and and think for a second, what is it saying to you? You know, one of the first rules in public relations is if you don't like what they're saying, change the conversation. And what's profoundly true about that in our own lives is if you don't like the conversation that's in your head, you're going to have to change it. That might feel uncomfortable to you at first, but it's critical to your own peace and emotional freedom. When you say things like, of course I messed that up, I'm such an idiot, or oh my God, I would never be able to date that guy. He's way too good looking for me. Um, I'm never going to get this client because I'm just not worth it. Um, there's, I'm not smart enough. I can't get on that stage and do public speaking because no, everybody will know that I'm a fake. I don't, I, there's no way I'm not talented enough. Every time you say that to yourself, you're confirming some kind of subconscious belief to be true. So all the patterning that you learned very, very early on, it doesn't want to change. So because we take in something like 200 million pieces of information in a second. That's not an exact number, but it's up there. It might be 2 million. It's a lot. Let's fair to say it's a lot. We take in so much information through our visual cues, audio cues, all of our sensory cues that the brain can't handle it because if it actually processed every single thing that was happening in our environment at any given moment, it would just self-destruct. So instead, because it likes things nice and easy, it looks for confirmation bias. It looks for things it already believes to be true. So if you are somebody who thinks you'll never be loved, uh, you're never going to get paid what you're worth, you're never going to have work that is satisfying to you, your brain does like a quick scan of your environment and only looks for messages that confirm that to be true. So I'm going to use love, for example. If you feel like you're never going to be in a great relationship, You will continuously attract people who are not right for you. And then you get into a terrible relationship again, or a, you know, a relationship that isn't intimate, is not satisfying, um, is not supportive. And your brain is like, see, I told you, you're really not worthy of love there. Now can we move on? Conversely, if you teach yourself to look for examples of things you want to see, these kinds of like expanding notions of what you know to be true, you can teach your brain to see all kinds of good examples around you and you start to attract all the good stuff that you want to see. And that's how you start to make that change. Um, Self-talk, as I said, is crucial because if you are talking to yourself in this really negative way, honey, You are going to keep attracting people who also have those same messages to confirm it to be true for you. So you have to flip that switch in the conversation. You know, I got to ask you, would you ever look at a friend and be like, oh, the reason that you didn't get that job today is because you're a moron and you messed it up and you're probably going to mess up the next one too. No. And if you do say that to your friend, you need to see, have a serious, serious chat with yourself about how you are showing up in relationships. Either way, I'm super glad that you're here because this is going to be a great conversation for you. You would never look at one of your kids and be like, I am so disappointed in you. You didn't do this perfectly. I knew you were going to be a screw up. Every time, everything you do disappoints me. I really hope you would not talk to a child like that. Nobody deserves to be spoken to like that, including yourself. 
So to flip that conversation with yourself, I really recommend just standing in front of a mirror and looking at the per and really look at the person who's looking back at you. You almost get into a, ta- a detached frame of mind because you start to see yourself as an other. And you can start to look at yourself and talk to yourself and say things, you know, like you would say to a friend or a child, say like, hey, I know you had a hard day. I know that interview did not go as you planned, but I got to tell you, things are going to be better tomorrow. You have a fresh start tomorrow. We're going to take action together tomorrow. I know you are feeling anxiety right now, and I know that I can help you through this. I know that you are smart and capable. I love you so much. We can get through anything. This has a solution. Even if we don't know what the solution is, I know there is a solution and I'm going to be there supporting you as we find it. Just changing that little stream of consciousness consciousness dialogue will make you feel different on a physiological level. It'll start to calm your anxiety. It'll get you out of fear and more into love, and it'll make you physically feel better. And when you physically feel safe and secure and physiologically, you feel safe and secure, you are far more rational and able to process information in a way that is real. So you have to talk to yourself in a supportive way, just like this. You can do this as I said, just like looking at yourself in the mirror, you can develop mantras and affirmations for yourself. You, some people find it really helpful to write affirmations out over and over again. Things like, I don't know I'm trying to think of some that I have used when I was going through cancer, I had to do this a lot because I was scared, man, I was scared. And so I would, I think mine was, I am healed and whole. And because I was so, this is another episode too. I was, I had so much body image that came up and fear of never being loved that came up when I knew I was going to lose my hair and then eventually lose my breasts. It triggered all kinds of things from like way deep down in my internal programming about um, looking for confirmation that I would never, ever, ever be loved. That's not true. But I didn't know it at the time and it freaked me out. So I used to, I don't like writing things out. Um, I find it too cumbersome. And so I like to do more of a walking meditation and I'm really grounded by water. And so I would go down to the beach in the town where I live and I would, sometimes I would scream it out at the lake. I would just be like, I am healed and whole and worthy of love. Um, Sometimes I would just put it on loop in my head and I would tell myself that message so many times it just became my truth. You know, I think it's, I think the number is like a hundred times. If you write it down or say it, it starts to become more of your truth. I don't know what the number is for you, but you can flip that switch on what you were telling yourself until that becomes a reality. Secondly, you know, if that's how you're talking to yourself, that is a great first step. Then you have to get really, really aware of who and what you're spending your time with. So Around that same period for me when I was like waking up, as I say, I started to pay attention to how I felt when I was in the company of certain people. And, you know, I was a new mom. I had three kids under the age of two and I was in a new town. It was really small. I did not grow up here. My husband at the time did not grow up here. We were total um, uh, newbies and I was desperate for connection. I was desperate for attention. I was desperate to be seen and liked and and understood and appreciated. And so I went about the process of trying to build a community around me. And, you know, 
I was going to say shamefully, it's not shamefully. It's exactly what I needed to do at the time. And as Maya Angelou says, you do the best that you can with what you have. And when you know better, you do better. Well, I was doing the best that I could at the time. And I knew I needed to feel, I wanted to feel this validation and this acceptance. And so I did the best with what I had. And I started hanging out with a, a group of people. And I would notice that when I was with them, it didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I was really ever included or that I was really ever respected or appreciated. And then I would leave and I would still feel, I would still feel some kind of anger or resentment or um, a a general feeling of being left out. Um, I would uh, walk past somebody's house with my kids and I would see other strollers parked in the driveway. And I was like, oh, what do you know? I wasn't invited again. I just never felt included. But still, do you know what I did? I kept reaching out to them to hang out because I was so desperate to be included in something. I was reaching out to the wrong people, but I didn't didn't know any better. So I would say to you, start by paying attention to who you're hanging out with and what you're hanging out with. If your interactions with people don't leave you feeling great and joyful and loved and cared for, you are in the wrong place. If the content that you're consuming, be it on Instagram, in on YouTube, in blogs, in music, um, anything cultural, on TV, anything pop culture like that, um, if the messages you're getting don't make you feel amazing, stop. Stop consuming it. You know, if you're following people on Facebook and Instagram and whatever other social media channel you like to engage in, If you're following people that make you feel inferior or make you feel like what you're doing is not going to be good enough or that their life is just better than yours and it leaves you feeling with this pervasive sense of jealousy or resentment or, again, just feeling left out, stop. You literally don't have to be friends with them. You literally do not have to consume stuff you don't want to consume you are in the driver's seat when it comes to that. You have a responsibility to yourself to make sure that what comes into your precious inner world is the stuff that lights you up, that makes you feel like yourself, that makes you feel like you are appreciated and that you are valued. You know, third thing, very, very similar to that, is that you need to engage in activities that make you feel really good. So if you hate hanging out with other parents at the park, don't go and hang out with other parents at the park. You know, if you are a part of um, a committee at work or, you know, there's like a social club at work that you don't like being a part of, don't be a part of it. Hey, if you don't like your job, you don't have to do that job. You're allowed to take action to change that job. I remember somebody once saying to me, um, She had a really, really secure job with the government, and she hated it, Uh, like really hated it. She worked with uh, inmates and hated her work, and she felt really unsafe generally, and then one day one of her colleagues was actually attacked at work, and it, it rocked, it rocked her. And I remember the conversation being like, why don't you look for other work? And she was like, are you kidding? I make 80 grand a year, and I have a pension, so what am I gonna do, quit? And I was like, Yes, <laughs> because if you're feeling like you might be physically or sexually attacked at work, it's not worth $80,000 in an indexed pension to stay there. You, you are allowed to feel happy. You are allowed to feel safe. 
you are allowed to feel lit up in every aspect of your life. You're allowed to have that. I am not advocating that, you know, tomorrow you leave all your relationships and set fire to your social circles and quit your job, but I am going to give you permission to start thinking about what an exit plan would look like. I am going to give you permission to say no to somebody who invites you out that you really don't want to go and see. I am going to give you permission to choose yourself over choosing a fake friendship that you don't want to invest in anymore. And I'm really going to give you permission to just live the life you want to live, not the one your stepmother told you you were going to live. Live the one that feels true to you for who you are. Four, you got to embrace your body, each and every part of it. Something we don't understand enough, usually until we have some kind of ailment, we feel like we never appreciate our body enough. You know, do you wake up every morning and feel grateful for your knees? Chances are probably not. But when your knees stop working, suddenly you become aware of how amazing knees are. You know, I never appreciated my breasts enough until I, I always loved them, but I didn't like wake up feeling grateful for them every day um, until I realized I had a breast cancer diagnosis. And suddenly I remember thinking, as soon as I found the lump, I was like, body, I am so sorry for all the terrible things I have said to you and done to you over the past lifetime. I am so sorry. Our bodies are this vessel and they are, they are ours to take care of because they take care of us. It's a real symbiotic relationship that we have to, we, our body will nourish us as we nourish our body. A lot of this can involve some mirror work too, um, by looking at your physical self and telling yourself out loud, I love every part of you. This can cause people a lot of stress, especially when it comes to bellies, thighs, um, you know, your most private parts. Um, I don't know if podcasts get censored. I'm just thinking, am I allowed to swear? Am I allowed to say like risque words? I don't know. I'm going to going to learn so much along the way here. Uh, it's not like the Howard Stern show, but nonetheless, you need to be able to look at every part of your body and just truly love it. And that's the same kind of, uh, same advice as I was saying about giving yourself these affirmations, these mantras, you know, if you don't like your belly, you got to look at your belly every day and be like, I love my belly. I love my belly. I love my belly until it becomes your truth because this body is yours to take care of. And if you feel like you can take care of it in a better way, by all means, take the steps necessary to take care of your body in a different way and do so in a way that works for you, uh, that feels right for you for all the right reasons. You know, don't try to change your belly because you want to be skinnier. If you need to change your belly, change it because it's going to be a healthier thing for you to do. And I am somebody who has quite a belly. I am not saying that you need to look a certain way. It's just an example of um, if you if you need to make the change for you to feel like yourself, not to do it for anybody else, but for you to feel like you, great. Take the Make the changes that make you feel like yourself and still supported by yourself. And lastly, in this beginner's guide to self-love or to love yourself, you got to understand that this is a process. You know, it doesn't matter when you get to that tipping point of realizing you want to feel differently. It doesn't matter when you get there. What matters is that you start and that you give it time and attention in a way that feels good to you. So not to complain about things being terrible, but to really take action and to take that nurturing stance, that real nourishing quality and take care of yourself and start to love and respect yourself on a deeper level. You got to keep doing it. 
you can't speak to yourself and treat yourself negatively and then look to somebody else in your external external environment and expect them to take care of you that way that you're not taking care of yourself. This is fundamental to our success. When we don't love and respect ourselves as we are, I don't think we can experience the rich and whole success that we need to feel in our businesses. Until we get to a place where we are very, very comfortable with who we are, I don't know that we can fully be present as parents and as partners and as family members and as friends because I don't know how we can give that love, that unconditional love and acceptance to somebody else if we can't fully love and accept ourselves. And further, I kind of touched on this earlier, but if we don't fully love and accept ourselves for who we are, it is going to be very, very hard for us to believe anybody else when they are offering unconditional love and acceptance. So as a result, we start to reject those really healthy relationships and those really healthy opportunities because we don't fully believe that we can have them yet. This is not a matter of like, just think your way positive. Uh Uh-uh. That's just scraping the surface. You got to go deep and really get into your subconscious mind and, um, using NLP techniques, using these little mindset strategies of how to get very clear on what the real story is that you've been told that maybe you grew up with or that you just acquired over the course of your lifetime. And if it doesn't feel true to you, start changing it. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for spending this time with me. And, you know, as your week goes on, I just want you to, I want to draw your awareness to that. What is the conversation in your head? What is the conversation in your social media channels? What is the conversation in your social circles, your employment circles, your your relationships? What is that conversation? And if you don't like what they're saying, take cause, be at cause for your life and take action and start changing the conversation. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you to be, for being here today. And I just want you to stay gold.